Welcome to the internet, live from the Marriott Library at the University of Utah. This is the Red Line Podcast. I'm your host, raging, quote, Bill Clinton, unquote, quote, build the fourth west tracks, unquote, Dunstan. And these are my co-hosts. Kyle, quote, ride the train, close quote, Holland, and... Alex, open quote, orange bike, close quote, fielder. We also have a guest today. Say hi, guest. Hi, my name is Royce Hotchkiss, but you may know me as Rust Belt City Enjoyer or Rice. I'm one of Transit Twitter's chief St. Louis boosters and Metrolink apologists. I mean, is it apologist if the system that we're apologizing for is like objectively good? It's a yeah. it's a good system, but it's got its quirks <laughs> for sure. <laughs> don't don't we all? Yeah. So we'll have uh, Metrolink Monday and much more after the news. Trademark. Do 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 do. So, both of our news items today will be local in nature. Firstly, the Redline Podcast would like to congratulate UTA bus driver Dale Bra- Brady on reaching 4 million miles accident-free. His 47 years of service are much appreciated, as are his apparently supernatural driving skills. Kudos. 4 million That's miles? I That's insane. Man must have been driving the 470 the whole time. <laughs> That's a lot of miles. I mean, over 47 years, that's a million miles in 10 years, so every year you're going 100,000 miles-ish. That's a lot. 47 like 80, years? 000, like 80,000 miles a year, that's basically. A, that, that's a very large number. Has he been with UTA since inception? Uh, since, well, let's see, that would be 76? 1976, so like six years after it was founded. Wow, so Ooh. close enough. Yeah, That close is enough. impressive. So thanks, Dale Brady. I hope I see you on the bus before you retire. That'd be pretty neat. <laughs> yeah, um, that'd be sweet. Because he'll have the little patch that says 4 million miles accident-free that ah. operators get. Is he the first one? Yes. To make it to 4 Although million front miles? Although front-runner operators are probably going to edge that out pretty soon because we just get a lot of miles. <laughs> yeah. Like we have we have several 2 million milers at Frontrunner now and Frontrunner's only been around f- since 2008. So although although I'm pretty sure Frontrunner hits things more often than the buses do. I mean not really. We just hit things with, you know, tragic conf- consequences mm. more often than the buses do. You never make news. You very it. rarely hear in the news about a yeah, bus versus something. That's just cuz it's like a it's just a normal crash. Like, yeah. it's just a car crash. And we yeah. don't do car crashes in the news. We only do, you know, exciting styles of crashes in the news. Like, for example, train versus car. Train <laughs> versus human. Train versus bicycle, etc. Uh, we should do tra- uh, car versus car, though. And then people will be like, ooh, maybe driving isn't so safe. Traffic violence bad, question mark? <laughs> yeah. yeah. As, as much as I love treating um, every single train incident as, like, an industrial accident where you need to like figure out what went wrong and prevent it from ever happening again. A, we don't do that because we have no money. And B, maybe we should also do Welcome that about cars. Welcome to the Red Line Podcast. This is a podcast about engineering disasters. <laughs> <laughs> Currently without slides. <laughs> without slides for the rest of time. I want sli- Let it be known to all of the listeners, I want slides Kyle and Alex do not want well, slides. I, I'm indifferent on slides. Ah, you see, so... Well, you're going to be the one putting the slides in. Then I'm I'm leaning towards no. Damn it. <laughs> ah, it's two out of three frickin' democracy. <laughs> oh, I didn't know this was a democracy. Cool, I'll take that and roll with it. Yeah, I'm happy with that. <laughs> you, we, okay, bud. <laughs> uh, yeah, so moving on to our second piece of, you know, less good news. Uh, in a move that shocks absolutely no one, the Salt Lake Bees have decided to flee the city to build a brand new stadium in South Jordan starting in 2024, specifically in the Daybreak area. Why? Our thoughts are with all those in Ballpark who will be affected by this change. If you live in the Salt Lake Metro, please consider supporting Ballpark area businesses in this difficult time. What is better about this new location? There's no pores and homelesses there, and the Larry H. Miller Corporation is a pile of trash that wants to sell cars and hates the city. Happy? Oh, right. I forgot they <laughs> sold cars. Well, and you know, they oh, own RSL, yeah. too, and RSL used to be in the city, but then and in the 2000s, it's now, 2000s, in, like it's now in Sandy. Wait, where, where did the stadium used to be? I don't know, but they used, I think it might have just been at Rice-Eccles, because I was that reading, I was reading, you know, some, like, Twitter like threads and such about this, and it was mentioned that, you know, former Mayor Anderson, known as, you know, Rocky, um, <laughs> fought really hard to try and keep RSL in the city, but mm-hmm. then they went, you know, to Sandy instead, and so... Do you think this entire conflict of interest is just about, like, car sales, or are there other factors? No, it's just that 
It's just that they want to be able to do whatever they want and not have to interact with any of the minor issues that Ballpark has as a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There, there aren't that that many, and the city is actively working to fix them. So yeah, uh, but that we couldn't do that. We got to flee to you know the worst possible place. White, I imagine white flight. Woo. Hey, at least it'll be next to the red line instead of being next to all three tracks lines. Service. You see, you see, this is what made me like extra mad about this, right? Like we're trying to do mode shift around here, right? We yeah. want people to get to things via transit. Ballpark's already a very urban Ballpark st- uh, is stadium. super easy to get to via transit. It has a half hour ride from every end of every tracks line. So basically everyone in the Salt Lake Metro can have like a one seat half hour or transit less, ride. Easily. Or less to ballpark versus now if you want to take tracks to ballpark from, you know, like anywhere in the South Valley, you're going to have to, you know, get on the blue line, then go up to Fashion Place, transfer, go backwards, and then uh, along the whole mid-Jordan line at the daybreak. Maybe they'll start running uh, special blue lines that do the linchpin turn. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. It's not a big enough event for that. (sighs) Is the old ballpark stadium going to be... The news, the news the article says they're going to demolish it and put something else there. The city wants to put, like, you know, apartments there or something, yeah, which is fine. What, el- what else are you going to do And there are that? people on Twitter, of course, being like, ah, gentrification, fun fact, market rate housing production in gentrifying areas actually helps prevent gentrification because it absorbs the new incomers. But, you know, anyway, I would prefer that the ballpark stay there. Yes, Because now be we're going to have to rename the neighborhood to, like, Walmart or something. <laughs> 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 Kind of catchy. Lowe's. <laughs> That's even better. <laughs> Lowe's station. Lowe's, oh. Lowe's tracks. Yeah. yeah. Well, so I imagine anyway, they just want a big park. Uh, yeah, this is a heartfelt uh, fuck you to the Larry H. Miller Corporation. Um, Thanks ha- for being anti-people. Yeah, we should we should have the zoning commission zone your asses out of the city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, like tax your... Tax your katushas until you're forced to move into Murray or something. Mm, I you forgot know? we could do that. Yeah, we could. We could. Wait, you we know, could move them. We could have a special what tax if? district that only applies <laughs> to car dealerships. <laughs> what if we moved them into the huge parking lot by Murray Central? Works for me. I put the hospital parking in the accessible. garage. Oh, you got to buy a car. You don't have a car, so you should be able to get there via transit. <laughs> this <Yeah>. is true. <laughs> this is very true. Transit accessible car dealerships. Yeah, like that. our new beautiful bike lane accessible car dealership oh, on yeah. Night South. It's, it's, it's very bike accessible. It's quite nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they have any bike racks, but I'm, I'm sure you'll manage. <laughs> Do you think that a car dealership has bike racks? Once again, how are you going to buy a car if you don't have a car to go to a car dealership? You have friends with cars. Right? Yeah, and yeah. you already have a car. Yeah, you have a car. And, and you're, you're going to drive it to car. the car dealership, trade your new, your old car in for a new car. Oh. This is the only possible way to buy a car. Or get get a get a new three-year lease on the latest model year. <laughs> anyway, onwards to the show. Okay, so... The show, trademark. The show, trademark. Uh, I don't trademark that one. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Someone's going to do it if we don't. Yeah, we probably better, huh? Okay. Um, so, yeah, like we said in the intro, we have Royce Hotchkiss on here. Uh, he's uh, kind of my, you know, favorite Twitter reply guy and also from St. Louis. Uh, so we're going to talk, you know, you'll never guess, uh, about St. Louis. I thought we were talking about Kansas City today. Oh, dear. I mean, St. Louis has the advantage over Kansas City on at least one regard in that it doesn't have, like, a downtown freeway loop of, like, as magnitude of proportion, magnitudinous proportions. Okay, now I'm pulling up the aerials. Yeah, look at the aerials. Kansas City has a better streetcar than us, but we definitely got off easy uh, in terms of freeway loop construction. Okay, but you do have a light metro, and I think... Ooh. Mm. <laughs> That's right, that beats the streetcar. Oh, yeah, probably. Our streetcar is pretty <laughs> dumb. Streetcar would be nice, <laughs> too. Good streetcar. <laughs> yeah, Kansas City streetcar, probably the best new streetcar other than... I, I have no idea who that is. I'll go check. Thanks, we just Alex. Somebody just somebody just knocked on our door randomly and waved at us, and I have no clue who it is. We're leaving this in, by the way. Oh, we are? Uh, <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're walking away. 
weird. Uh, maybe he doesn't know how podcasts work. Yeah, oh, like okay. it's not like there's a stop or recording sign on the closed okay. door of the podcast booth. Anyways, so continuing, uh, yeah. So St. Louis, it's located at the confluence of the Mississippi and Missouri rivers, making confluence. it a natural hub. I know, fancy word, right? Uh, for n- national transportation. From its beginning, it was a hub of travel and trade and the gateway to American colonial expansion into the West. Railways, steamboat lines, and plain old roads converge in St. Louis, which caused an explosion that made it one of the great American cities of the 19th and early 20th centuries. It's also one of the most racially diverse cities in middle America, and as a consequence, one of the most segregated and unequal. Um, Probably the best known thing from St. Louis is, like, you know, the... The arch thing, the oh, giant, yeah, the that giant one. silver that gateway. Arch. Is that the archway to the west? Gateway to the west? Yeah, it's yeah, gateway what does that to the symbolize? West. Yeah, gateway to the west. The arch is it's a national park and it looks really nice. However, I do think it's important to kind of highlight its mixed and complicated history. Um, it when the arch was constructed, there were several city blocks that were just totally leveled and there's like some really haunting pictures. Um, and you can see there's like only the churches were left standing, which you can still see today. Uh, but several city blocks were leveled um, and 20,000 working class minority majority residents were displaced by this. Um, I forgot back in the day when we just did that. So it was like an urban renewal thing, but it didn't actually serve, you know, even a marginally useful purpose. Kind of. um, It was, yeah, in some ways it was urban renewal before urban renewal was... Before freeways. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah, now there's a freeway that goes right beneath it too. So we we got we got that oh, one. Oh, wonderful! Nice. <laughs> um, okay. What what year was it built? Uh, it was opened in 1969. However, the the leveling happened, I believe, in the 30s or the 30s or 40s. Um, and the arch got stuck in like planning and permitting hell, and then World War II oh for just years. Uh, so there was like this big empty space in downtown that was actually just used as a parking lot. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. So they, they <laughs> yeah. So they displaced all they displaced all these you know minority majority residents, um, and then they just used their what were homes as parking lots. And you you said there was a, a highway underneath the arch. Um, it doesn't it, just it doesn't go up under the arch, but it goes under the arch grounds. Um, okay. Yeah, it's like okay. over off to the off to the east a little bit, I think. Okay, but it's on the it's on the national park land. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that so. is a feat of engineering, truly peak human humanity. But I was gonna, I was gonna say, were they just like displacing uh, twenty thousand people just because they didn't do the freeway thing? But I guess they <laughs> they, I, did, they it did anyway. both. So. Yeah. Mm. And then it says on our do- on our talking points here, quote, crime issues, unquote. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, as as my, you know, eventual f- possible future video about, you know, crime in the American city will say there is... Everyone really likes to hype up how much crime there is in uh, American cities, and that is, you know, including St. Louis, of course. And that's not to say there isn't you know, violent crime, but it's it's a little more complicated, and I think that you have some notes here for that, Royce. I do, yeah. So, the city of St. Louis is very small. You can walk across it in about two hours. Um, Isn't it, like, 300,000 people, just, like, you know, yeah. two, one and a half Salt Lakes, basically? Yeah, so the metro area of St. Louis is about two and a half million, give or take. But the city itself is only 300,000. So most people that live in the St. Louis area do not live in the city of St. Louis. Um, well, but That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Within the city, it's quite small. And the reason it's small um, is because of something called home rule. But a lot of the poorer neighborhoods are concentrated within the city itself, not the surrounding areas. Um, and, you know, you take that with decades of redlining, government neglect... Um, poverty, you know, you get what you get a very high crime rate. I'm using huge quotes on that within the city itself. Yeah. But if you take the region as a whole, it's just incredibly average. <laughs> okay. You see, and that's interesting to know because, like, because people will just act as though you just, you know, you go into St. Louis, you go into Chicago, you just get immediately shot <laughs> and robbed. 
but I'm, I'm guessing that's probably not really the case. No, abs- yeah, it's absolutely not. And, it, you know, it's like I said, that's the result of years of government neglect and poverty. That's policy choices that were made um, that are affecting lives. And that's it's an issue that needs to be addressed, but can't be fixed with more cops or anything like that. <laughs> Wait Whoa. a minute. Police state bad? I never would have guessed. <laughs> okay, so there's some, like, you know, local local context disproving or you know taking time to be like hey maybe maybe the you know purported issues aren't necessarily quite what they're made out to be in the right-wing media but moving on to history um we kind of just have the usual trolley story as always yeah as (laughs) with literally every city in this country um so streetcar service began in st louis in 1859 just before the outbreak of the civil war Lines were built and expanded for the next several decades, with the first cable-hauled line completed in 1886 and removed, you know, five years later in, in 1891, and then the first electric streetcars in 1889. Very typical. <laughs> Very typical. What I would say is probably not typical is that by 1920, there were over 485 miles of streetcar lines in Ooh. the city of St. Louis, with over 1,600 streetcars in daily operation. That that is that that that's that's massive. We build we build bus systems these days that look like that. That that's insane. I mean, it, to probably a greater degree than almost anywhere else in the country, St. Louis is really a streetcar city, and I'm sure that Royce can attest to this. Like you know, just walking down certain certain areas in the city, you really see that kind of old streetcar development. Absolutely. It's pretty easy to tell where a lot of the streetcars used to run. Um, and some of them are even like proto light rail systems, too. But. <laughs> um, so now this is a question I've had for you. Have you seen like any any streetcar or trolley or whatever tracks, you know, kind of still in the road? Because there's a couple of places around here you can find those. And I just wondered if you knew of any in St. Louis. I, I know they're around. I have not personally seen them, um, but I definitely I've seen you know, internet posts of, you know, oh, they resurfaced the street and they found trolley tracks underneath it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there's our, there's our legacy down the drain. Um, it's fine. So, bustitution of lines began <laughs> in the... Ni- yeah, bustitution. Very funny, I know. Uh, and continued unabated until May 21st of 1963, I think. I didn't write it down for whatever reason. We'll fact check that later. Uh, when the last streetcar, the number 15 Hodiamont, am I saying that right? Hodiamont, yeah, that's how I've always heard it pronounced, either way. Okay, cool. Uh, so it made its final run on that day, and rail transit would not return to St. Louis until the 1990s. In some ways, a shorter gap than a lot of other a lot of other cities. Like, some people lost their streetcars in, like, the 30s or 40s, and then got light rail in the 80s and 90s. St. Louis lost them in the, like you know, almost the mid-60s, and then literally 30 years later. Oh, crap. Maybe rubber tires are not the superior technology for all transit systems. Interesting. This is an interesting side note. There was a... I've heard it said before that, you know, the streetcars here were, like, they were very much loved by the locals, and they were comparatively well-ridden, like, right through their closure. And the closure was widely unpopular uh, with the local population. Didn't I think last night when we were talking, you told me something about like uh, students being like taken on rides just to pump mm-hmm. up the numbers so they'd stay around longer or something. Well, it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't to pump up the numbers so much as okay. it was just to experience them. Uh, there's a gentleman <laughs> I know, and he I, I forget how old he was, but he was in grade school when the streetcars were announced that they're going to be torn out, and his teacher would take their class on streetcar rides just so that way the kids could experience them um, before they were gone forever, basically. <laughs> That's really interesting. I mean, you don't... When you think of this, the end of the streetcar, you think of people just being like, oh, those are so old-fashioned, we're just going to build a freeway, and that's going to be the best thing. But I guess, you know, in some places, there was some real real sense of loss and nostalgia. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of the streetcars here were, like I said, proto-light rail systems, um, and they had, like, like the Hodiamont had its own uh, dedicated alignment for a lot of its running um and so did the i believe the u city streetcar which is actually the a lot of the metrolink blue line now yeah super interesting 
Um, and then, you know, as another sort of interesting side note, Route 15 no longer exists in St. Louis, so I'm assuming that either that route is no longer served or another route serves it. Yeah, there's no, no number 15 bus. Very sad. Um, so the Bi-State Development Agency took over transit operations in Greater St. Louis in 1963 and continues to operate them to this day. In 1973, the first of several sales tax increases went into effect. Uh, it was a half cent on the dollar at the time, uh, allowing BDSA to, conti- uh, to cut its fares from 45 to 25 cents, which... I wish fares were 45 to 25 cents. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's crazy. And I imagine that boosted ridership. I wonder how much that is in today dollars. I That's a good question. Can I want to run that through an inflation calculator? Because sure. <laughs> it's probably like 250 and we're just all being nostalgic for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so service continued in a mostly unchanged and uh, with, you know, all respect to the Bi-State Development Agency, not particularly good or bad uh, manner until the 1990s, when a new development was to forever alter public transportation in St. Louis and its surrounding areas. And uh, we need to play, like, you know that you know that Alan Fisher, like, music compilation of, like, the train one? Oh, I love that. I, I have so. no yeah, idea. Like, so good. Metrolink or something. You know, we gotta. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know the exact <laughs> one you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, that f- that forty-five cent fare is two dollars ninety-two today, Ooh. and the twenty-five cent is a dollar sixty-two today. Nice. So <laughs> yeah, we're just being nostalgic. <laughs> so fares also. have technically gone up because a uh, fare is what two dollars on Metro right now. Two twenty-five for just a one uh, Metrolink ride, but they do have five-dollar day passes, which is unlimited bus and train rides. So that's what most people get. Month and week and month and annual passes as well, which are significantly cheaper. Uh, Random question: Do you have do they do they have fare capping or is that Uh, not a or do they just use the passes? No fare capping, just the passes. Okay, okay, cool. Um, So new, flashy, and modern, as I said before, Metrolink. Um, by 1990, light rail had proven itself as a cost-effective option for improving public transportation all across the country, from Portland to, you know, Cleveland and Pittsburgh and San Diego. Everybody wanted in, and St. Louis was no exception. This being post-Reagan, where public transit now has to be cheap instead of well, regular. Well, it has to make money because we were still doing a neoliberalism at the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Um, BDSA planners that wow that's very close um, <laughs> have been searching for a way to radically improve public transit and with light rail they found their path forward in 1990 initial construction on Metrolink's first line from St. Louis Lambert International Airport to East St. Louis on the Illinois side of the Mississippi uh, they don't call it the Bi-State Development Agency for nothing I guess um, construction was completed on time and on budget in 1994 and proved to be massively popular, driving nearly rabid demand from nearby communities for further expansions. Yeah, Metrolink in its sort of initial days was very much a, a light rail success story. And I think that that may contribute to... Is there kind of like a local pride in it? Because I know we don't necessarily have that for our light rail system, but <laughs> I know I know a lot of places do. So is that is that a um, sort of a thing? Maybe so not not so much anymore. I think it's it really goes underappreciated locally. You know, I think a lot of people just take it for granted. You know, it's something that's there. Um, and it's always been there, and people think will always be there. And so hopefully, it will always be there. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> okay. Oh. Well interesting i guess um yeah so like i said there was kind of rabid demand for some expansions uh in 2001 st Clair county extension brought metrolink service deeper into illinois adding eight new stations to southwestern illinois college which is a community college and then in 2003 a further 3.5 mile extension was opened to shiloh scott air force base which is to my knowledge the only military facility directly and specifically served by rail transit line kind of interesting um and then in 2006, the Cross County Extension, which uh, makes up basically the, the whole of the blue line now, uh, brought eight miles of track to St. Louis County, bringing the Metrolink system to its current extent. 
This extension was also the cause of Metro's famous spat with a company over alleged construction defects slash delays slash overruns. You know, in the early days of Metrolink, there was just such a f- like a flurry and a fervor for uh, construction and expansion. Um, and you know, the Cross County extension had opened in 2006, and then you know, 2008 they did the first study for a north-south line, which nothing came of it. Uh, there were some funding issues, and the Great Recession happened, so that was all kind of further expansion after that was kind of put on the back burner, where it still largely is today, unfortunately. That is unfortunate, and if I recall correctly, 2009, 2010, Metro had like a really terrible fiscal crisis and had to like slash service for like a year or so until they got a new uh, sales tax thing. Am I am I saying right there? Yeah, and I I believe that Metro they. S- so they're still not totally where they were before that. Um, they, if I remember correctly, they used to have seven and a half minute headways, which is now up to twenty per line. Uh, <laughs> oh, so that was seven and a half on each line. I believe so. I or it might have been through the peak section, wow. which is now ten minutes. But they had really, really tight headways. No uh, wonder people loved this thing. And those terrible headways are part of the reason why ridership is down so much now. It's kind of entered into that you know self-destructive cycle. Yeah, well, and as I as I recall, um, Metrolink's ridership in like 2007, the best year for ridership was almo- almost 57,000 people a day, which is you know really substantial for kind of a two line system, especially one that mostly serves park and rides. Yeah, with no north south connection at all. Yeah, we'll get into that, but it kind of speaks volumes to why Metrolink is kind of a unique system. Um, and, oh, that is actually the next bullet point. So we got to talk a little bit about Metrolink's really unique design because it's very unlike almost any other, with the exception of Charlotte and Link in Seattle, uh, new build light rail system in the United States. And it's especially unique for its time, the late 80s and 90s. So it has, um, unlike most of those systems, a high degree of grade separation, uh, generally high speed, and is basically a light metro. And... I think this makes it your turn, Royce. <laughs> yeah, so because of um, what you just mentioned, the high degrees of grade separations, um, you know, a lot of its own, it runs on its own infrastructure, and there's no street running at all. Uh, Metrolink's on-time performance is 98%, which is kind of insane. <laughs> wow. What is That's this unbelievable. Excellent? Literally unbelievable. My, I cannot comprehend that. Like, the, head, the headways are not great, but a train will turn up when they say a train well. will turn up. The headways used to be great, and they could <laughs> yeah. be great again. <laughs> make make headways great again or something. <laughs> and then the other kind of remarkable thing about Metrolink is that it sort of achieved this, you know, virtual uh, light metro status very cheaply because th- whoever planned it was really smart and reused this kind of super unique legacy infrastructure that St. Louis has in the Eads Bridge and the... Uh, St. Louis Freight Tunnel, and got more stuff from our local expert on that one, I think. Yeah, sure. So, you know, there's a lot of good infrastructure reuse. Uh, some of the Illinois sections are questionable. Um, it literally it literally <laughs> runs through cornfields uh, and has some of the <laughs> biggest parking lots I've ever seen anywhere. Despite not hauling any corn. We, there's been talk about this with some St. Louis <laughs> urbanists, but they, uh, it's like a pipe dream where Metrolink would <laughs> take in, like, fresh produce in the morning from the fields on like a <laughs> obviously it's probably never going to happen but good idea that would be that's not a joke that's that's crazy <laughs> that would be that would be a cool thing if it would ever happen probably not but <laughs> yeah yeah so the eads uh I'll, I'll talk about the eads bridge first um before the arch was st louis's iconic landmark that honor fell to the eads bridge the eads bridge is a large steel bridge designed by james buchanan eads it's 148 years old, uh, having been completed in 1875. It was the first of its kind globally. Really? In the entire world? Mm-hmm. It was huh. the first bridge to span the Mississippi south of its, well, where it joins with the Missouri. So where it starts to get, like, really wide. Really big. Yeah. That's a beautiful bridge. It's gorgeous, yeah. Yeah, I know. We just pulled up a picture and, wow. We're going to have to stick this on the uh, on the thumbnail, I think. Yeah, so it's a steel arch bridge, um, and it was, you know, first of its kind and represented a paradigm shift in bridge construction away from wrought iron. It is 6,442 feet wide, or 1,964 meters, 
or long, not wow. long, sorry. So it's a pretty long bridge. Um, it's a huge bridge. It's comprised of two decks. So the top deck carries road and pedestrian traffic, um, and the bottom now carries the Metrolink. Okay, that's awesome. I know, mm-hmm. and and I think uh, we were saying this last night that at one point, because um, because the lower deck is reused frail and freight and mainline passenger uh, service infrastructure, there were mainline freight, mainline passenger service, streetcars, bicycles, pedestrian, automobiles, and like covered wagons going over it all at the same point. This is like the bridge yeah. trademark. <laughs> yes. As far as I'm concerned, perfect bridge. Uh, <laughs> I've I found some really cool. You know, it, the first trains that went over it were steam trains, and now there's a, you know, modern electrified. A metro system, which is just kind of crazy to think about. And the bridge was built in 1875. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think this this beats out the Golden Gate Bridge easily, if only because it has a <laughs> still has trains. Yeah, it, it reminds me of the uh, steel bridge in Portland. Yes, it is kind of kind of of the same generation, I think, as the steel bridge. Yeah. It was constructed so insanely well. Uh, in 1949, they like properly strength tested it with electromagnetic strain gauges, and they found that um, James Buchanan Eads' original estimation of an allowable load of uh, 3,000 pounds per foot, or 4,500 um, kilograms per meter, could be raised to 5,000 pounds per foot. <laughs> <laughs> so better than expected. Yeah, and when they first opened it as a stunt, they like filled the lower deck like both tracks end to end with steam engines (laughs) (laughs) just to show how strong it was and to build like public confidence yeah i love that i think we should do more of that sort of stuff we don't do that anymore i agree we should do more crazy stunts like that yeah yeah well i mean you know the modern american has too much trust in in our in in the average bridge we need to start doubting the strength of bridges again so we can have like (laughs) you know like monster trucks full of elephants drive over them or something. Exactly. <laughs> Eads Bridge, pretty cool. And then also there is just this old freight tunnel because the Eads Bridge, it like feeds right into mm-hmm. downtown St. Louis, right? It so doesn't exist yeah. in the void. Do- yeah, so they built like a like an almost a mile long freight tunnel to carry <laughs> freight and passenger traffic, you know, to the other side mm-hmm. of downtown. And then now the Metrolink runs through that. So uh, they basically un- got a subway for free. Under downtown? Under. Yep, those also opened in 1875, and they are they're like <coughs> cut and cover tunnels, but from 1875. So they're like really cool, um, like they're sandstone and brick tunnels. And they, when you're standing on the p- stations that are in them now, you can see like the old brickwork, and it's pretty awesome. Wow. Whoa. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, I remember when Mike was there, our, fr- our friend Mike Christensen, that is, he was just completely nerding out over the tunnels because they're... They're quite it, something. This looks like it could be in Europe. It really does. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. Um, oh, and then the other thing about the tunnels that we should mention um, is that at one point, I don't know if this is on the bridge or in a section of the tunnel, uh, it is so like short compared to the trains that they have to use an overhead third rail instead of <laughs> instead of pantographs. I, I think I'm correct on that, right? Yeah. And that's the that's the section that goes over the bridge um, and oh, okay. through the Laclede's landing station. What? Yeah, so there's two... Uh, it's just a metal bar that carries electricity. Um, I'm not <laughs> quite sure the the benefits and drawbacks to that, but it's it's kind of cool to see that. It's basically a third rail, but in, in an unconventional oh, location. Yeah. No, that's not it. Yeah. So there was two stations added in the Eads Bridge. On the bridge? Wait, in? Yeah, in, in the, the bridge, bridge, yeah. The stations on for, the bridge. For what reason? Uh, Metrolink stations. stations, yeah. Just to get off on the bridge and yeah, so you yeah, get off ones in inside the bridge. Oh, but they're like on the ends of the bridge that are like right. on land on the approach. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, like I, I <laughs> thought it was in the middle. <laughs> oh, of the bridge. No, 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 okay, no, I'm sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> I mean, basically you do that with like these, bungee jumping these arches or something. Okay, where okay. It is. okay, that makes more yeah. sense. Yeah, kind of at either end. That that's a feat of engineering right there on a bridge that old. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the Laclede's uh, landing station is probably my favorite rapid transit station anywhere because you get off the train, you just have this beautiful view through the old um, brick arches of like downtown and of the arch itself. It's magnificent. So yeah, the freight tunnels also have two stations that were added in them. 
Um, that would be the Eighth and Pine Station and the Convention Center Station. Um, so they're subway stations that were parts of the old the old tunnels were cut away, um, and modern stations and platforms were added. This is the very definition of smart infrastructure reuse. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's it's very impressive, and I am continually almost flabbergasted that it exists, especially in a light rail system from the 90s when everyone else was just like, stick it on the streets, it'll be fine. So did, did the freight trains just take a different route through St. Louis or around St. Louis, or was it just abandoned? So um, the freight trains, they used the, uh, they now use the uh, MacArthur Bridge, which crosses just a little bit south of the uh, Eads Bridge and the Merchants Bridge, which is just a bit to the north. Um, but a lot of rail bridges here. Yeah, yeah. Wikipedia is actually wrong. It has the bridge, it has the Eads Bridge, uh, the rail deck, and the freight tunnels as being abandoned in 1974. But 1974 is when Amtrak ran their last train through it. Um, I have been looking far and wide for pictures of Amtrak trains in the freight tunnels and on the lower deck of the Eads Bridge can't find anything uh, but I did find lots of pictures of local freight using the tunnels and the rail deck like through the 80s uh, potentially right up until the bridge was acquired by the city for the Metrolink project I mean that makes sense it's good infrastructure oh absolutely and yeah there was no pushback from the freight railroads they uh, if I recall correctly they were traded to the other bridge the city owned the other bridge oh, and okay. they owned the Eads bridge and they traded across if I'm correct. yeah uh, so they probably were happy to get rid of the tunnel so they wouldn't have to do any maintenance in the future <laughs> um maybe and also, it really the tunnel has a really tight loading gauge, so it really limited what you could run through there. So they can't, you know, I the pictures I've seen of like the giant big old F units going over the rail deck. These things look like they just barely fit. And uh, no double stacks. No, no double stacks. <laughs> <laughs> but double stacks do go over the MacArthur Bridge, um, which is <laughs> the, unsurprisingly. Yeah, the Eads Bridge was owned by the Terminal Railroad Association of St. Louis, and they're like a weird like local freight company. Uh, but they own the MacArthur Bridge now, uh, which carries Amtrak, Union Pacific, and a couple others, I think. So it sounds like a good trade for everyone, then. Yeah, it was. It was everyone. Everyone was happy. Everyone got what they wanted. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> <laughs> I know, especially with the class ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Metrolink. I mean, quite the impressive system. Uh, obviously, in recent years, it has struggled to you know, maintain and build ridership because... It's struggling to maintain and build service. As we discussed, there are 20-minute <laughs> headways on, on both lines at the moment, and that is not ideal. Um, Pre-pandemic, it was like 36,000 a day, which is still, you know, respectable, but not the peak anymore. Less service equals less no. ridership. I think it's down yeah. to about 21,000 today. Rip. Yeah, post-pandemic be like... Maybe they should run service and uh, look into that north-south mm. line again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk about that. Well, there's some issues right now, some uh, damaged infrastructure where they can't really run more than 20-minute headways right now. But the main interline section, the main interline section is two lines running 20 minutes, so 10-minute headways uh, on the interline section, and that's not too bad. So they're just uh, slowing it down so they don't damage it more than the infrastructure? Yeah, I think, um, I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but there was some flooding over the summer that just ruined the main interchange station between the red and blue lines at Forest Park. Really? That's no good. <laughs> no. I, yeah. yeah. So are they running like single track or something while they fix that up? They are, yeah. So they're running single track right now um, and also so the signaling, route setting, communications, basically everything except the catenary got cooked. Uh, oh so geez. they're running line of sight operation on a single track section. So slow <laughs> plus <single laughs> Line of sight and radio. Maybe we should say we're impressed that they're running 20 minutes. Yeah, I would say that's pretty good. <laughs> okay, and I'm reading what you wrote here. So it's $40 million to fix everything. That's not mm. an insubstantial amount of money. Especially for a small, a smaller uh, transit agency like Metrolink. Yeah, that's crazy. Can they not get it from, like, Joe Biden or something? Yeah, you'd think the I, feds would pay for something like that. I, 
I think it's paid for. It's just a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, <laughs> that makes sense. So there, I think the estimated com- time of completion for the project is like sometime in May of this year. Uh, but we'll see how that pans out. All right. Keep us posted. Yeah. We might need oh. to do a follow-up. Yeah, follow-up. Metro fixed. Metro fixed. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I'm sure we'll ha- that'll be in the news probably when it gets done. Um, so, yeah, and then we should also mention in terms of post-pandemic ridership and such, uh, like almost everywhere else, Metro Transit is facing a severe staffing shortage at the moment and has had to discontinue as many as six bus lines and cut service on dozens of others. Large oof. Yeah, so the biggest um, deficit of operators right now is on the bus network um, and how Metrolink does it a little bit different than some other agencies where their train drivers have to be bus drivers first um, and they hire their train drivers from their pool of bus drivers. So they're actually putting a lot of train drivers back into buses just so that way they can keep lines running right now. I mean, that's, that's I guess, a useful that's pretty convenient, I guess, for the circumstances. It's a crisis, but, yeah. but huh. it does seem a little goofy, especially since, um, you know, in a lot of light rail systems, you have a lot of street running, and so you kind of would be good to have that operating experience. But Metrolink is just, you know, it's all train. There's no, yeah. there's no interaction with cars. So that does seem like an interesting requirement to me. It, it, could that just be because everyone wants to drive the train? Probably. I mean, I, it's possible. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure why they do it. I know, like, the CTA, you have to be a flagger first, um, and BART just hires train drivers directly from the general public. <laughs> Go, yeah, well, I know at UTA, we... Well, most of our rail operators do come from bus, but we do just hire, you know, straight, straight rail operators as well. So I guess it depends. Um, yeah, so... That's kind of the big issues Metro is facing right now. I know, you know, there's been some talk about safety issues and turnstiles were installed relatively recently because people were scared of safety issues, which, I mean, I guess I get. Yeah, they're not in yet, um, but they're... Oh, they're not in yet. No, but they're planned to be. The whole issue with that is, like, in Fairgates is, you know, they're, and I'm using huge air quotes here, is security, but <laughs> safety is not really an issue, um, and I it's probably only just to lure in more suburban commuters. Um, they're also, Metrolink's just way too worried about the vibes of the system, um, and they've been spending <laughs> way too much on cops. So are we seeing, like, cops at every station, like New York City style, or...? Um, definitely the most busiest ones, and there's sometimes just, like, th- three or four of them that just stand around and do nothing, or they ride the trains. Um, Maybe they should hire some, like, conductors or something to just surf the system and just say hi to people. Yeah, or the... Ambassadors, yeah. yeah. fan ambassadors, like yeah, Portland. Yeah, yeah that seems yeah. a little... Probably not a great way to encourage ridership among uh, low-income and minority communities. That's right. Um, yeah. Who are the people who probably are riding the most anyways. But, you know, that's just my thought. Chasing, yeah, they're still chasing suburban commuters. It's all part of the, uh, you know, commuter rail mindset. <laughs> not, not rapid transit. They recently awarded a contract for eight million dollars, um, which is a lot for a tiny system like Metrolink. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's a stupid project, and they're basically just burning money to appease suburbanites instead of making the system better. Yeah, especially since I don't believe that um, there has ever been a huge fare dodging issue on. On Metro, Link. Uh, I don't know because there is no fair enforcement at all. Uh, I have oh. never—it's w- <laughs> proof of payment, but I have never once been asked to show <laughs> my ticket. Okay, I mean I, you, that's entirely possible. The only places you yeah. ever get, you know, asked to show your ticket here is in low-income areas. So thanks, UTA police. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so those are kind of the big, you know stuff happening to Metro right now uh, and we kind of want to discuss what's next because if I I have in my notes here that there has been one a kind of weird historic streetcar opened recently and two the north-south line may actually be getting done question mark yeah so um, uh, you're probably talking about the Del Mar streetcar which is why I said earlier that our streetcar is significantly worse than the Kansas City one. Uh, it's a heritage streetcar line, and it's it could be a useful connection from uh, the Forest Park 
area to the Del Mar Loop, but it's it runs I think like once an hour, once every <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's just a deeply unserious form of transit, and it's obvious that the city sees it that way, and they were they only started running it in October because the feds told them hey they they got a lot of grant money and they the feds said either you start running this or you pay us our money back. <laughs> um, what were they doing before then? Just not they they just <laughs> shut it down since yeah. the pandemic. Oh, and, and it only runs like Thursday through Saturday now. What? And yeah, and they run. It's not running over the winter because no one needs to go anywhere when it's cold out. Uh, right, right. And mm. rail transit definitely isn't like a a huge commute saver for lots of people in bad weather. No, yeah. It's it's very it's 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 very frustrating. It could be a good connection. They're but it's running this thing like it's a model train or something. Yeah, really. Yeah, I mean, there's some wacky grid stuff in in St. Louis. We're we're looking at the at the streetcar on Google Maps right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, also I know that there is you know a lot of chatter about the North South Line right now. Um, some kind of like secondary study has been published, right? Yeah, so I think the general alignment has been chosen. Um, the city announced that they are going to be running it on Jefferson Avenue, but it's most likely going to be street running LRT. And the reason why they're running it on Jefferson is because NGA, which is the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which is part of the government, is building a huge new campus in North City on Jefferson Avenue. Um, and they want to, again, chase those commuters which is a good thing, you know, that would be a good area to serve. Um, and, um, and building uh, transit at the same time as you're building a new development yeah. is good. Absolutely. And it's also going to go into the South City, which is, uh, the South City is very dense and kind of, except for a few pretty good bus lines, underserved by transit. Um, so the North-South is going to be a good connection. And even though it's going to be street running LRT, it's probably going to be fairly successful. That's good. That's yeah. very good, and it connects down at uh, two stations downtown, it looks like, on their little executive summary thing they have. Yeah, so the, they're going to be building a infill station on Jefferson Avenue, when there needs to be an infill station there already, and two, that that's just a good spot for that. Um, and that's... I, I think I would have preferred if it was on Grand Avenue. Uh, that's... That is the busiest bus route uh, in the city. Is the number seventy Grand bus, and I think, you know, we should be replacing our busiest bus routes with, you know, rapid rail-based transit. But that is that is a pretty sound strategy. Well, mm. why would we do that when we could just not? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would simply not. Um, yeah, I mean, from what I can see, it looks like a really good project. Um, certainly would be a really great boon to a lot of the neighborhoods it, it serves, for sure. Absolutely. Other than being street running LRT, I am very excited for this. I think it's going <laughs> to be, be a great project that's well overdue. <laughs> well, yeah. it, is, it is the year 2023. Wasn't, I mean, it was considered as early as 2008, as we discussed earlier, so it's like, you know, 15 years later, and it's now they time. might actually be doing it. Yeah. So, wow, love that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all I've really got in terms of content for this episode. If there's anything else you want to talk about, Royce, I'm glad to glad to accommodate that because you've, you know, insane, insanely knowledgeable, clearly. Oh, thank you. I, I think I've gone over everything I wanted to as well. All right. Uh, well, in that case, uh, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. I've... Yeah, I like talking about the tunnels. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, they're I super like cool. <laughs> yeah, um, Th- thank you for having me. Oh yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Um, you've been a great guest. I can't say our best guest because that would be rude to the other people we've had on. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, conclusion: as I wrote in the episode, St. Louis, good and cool, uh, could use some love and might be getting it. Yeah, hopefully. Um, Yeah, so other than that, thank you for listening. Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube and to leave us a rating on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, No, seriously, we want your feedback. Please comment. We always love to hear new things from listeners. Uh, And with that, we're going to Patreon. Wow. And we have had a big boost in Patreon subscribers. Have we? 
We've had three new ones. Oh, since. I'm not logged in in this computer, Kai. You have to. Okay, I, I, I can read the thing. We have had a good amount. Was that after your Austin episode? I think it might have been from the Austin episode because I know there are a lot of light rail boosters in Austin. So mm, this is this is true. I've really enjoyed your guys's light rail uh, Austin light rail episode. I like left feeling <laughs> way more informed and just you know equipped to argue with people online about light rail in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Our favorite pastime. Uh, we yeah we appreciate that. I mean one of our biggest goals in doing the podcast was to you know raise awareness about things that people might not necessarily think about otherwise because, you know, Project Connect is never going to be national news in this country, even though it probably should be. Yep, it definitely Just because be. that's not how we think about public transportation in this in America. So, yeah. I know personally I just wanted to start the podcast so I could edit stuff, but now <laughs> I care about public transit, so... Yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a heck of a ride, I'll say that. Um, yeah. uh, let's do the, the Patreon scroll. At our frontrunner tier, $10 or greater, we have Curtis Herring, Mike Christensen, Phobos2390, and Zach Adams. Thank mm-hmm. you very much. At $5, our redline tier, we have Brian Smith, Christopher Whaley, Jake Whitecotton, and Robert P. Walsh. At um, slightly above Blue Line tier, we have Just Cuz. And Blue Line tier, we have Ben Busath, DJ Will Watkins. Hi, Will. Ethan McDonald, John Heron Gorman, Martin Hecker Martinez, Old Trolley, and Seth. Wow, that is a lot more Blue Line subscribers. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks, guys. Um, yeah. Especially to the new people who will be receiving the additional content that we give to Patreon. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Royce, what are your internet? Plugs. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can just find me on Twitter at Rust Belt City Enjoyer. I post about St. Louis and Rust Belt cities and just transit in general. Yeah, and great follow. One, yeah. honestly, a really great follow. You gotta, you gotta get into the Rust Belt hype train because the Rust Belt cities are this country's future. And climate or something. Yeah, climate or something. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, get on the train. Cincinnati streetcar, good question mark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and it's a special, um, like, infinity loop shape. So we love the we stand the Cincinnati streetcar. Yeah, uh, thanks again for coming on, Royce. Uh, yeah, um, yep. if, if you want to hang out on for a minute more, oh, are we doing a Patreon? Yeah, question? do we have any that's good for not being hyper local? Is my question. I mean, if we don't, then then uh, we have UTA. Um, I'm always happy downtown to Salt talk Lake about City, yeah. downtown <laughs> Salt Lake City, and Mike Christensen's trivia question about quote how many passenger rail stations in the world feature tracks with three or more gauges? Gosh, I don't know. I can't think of any off the top of my head. Like may- probably some on the Iberian Peninsula. Yeah, probably okay. between France and uh, and Iberia, or maybe in Spain. Pennsylvania somewhere. Because I know there's Penn Trolley and oh yeah, and also mainline services and the trolleys in Pennsylvania don't or and the Norristown High Speed Line doesn't I don't think use Penn Trolley or standard gauge, okay. so you know <laughs> I I couldn't tell you but I'm I'm sure there are some somewhere we might need to follow back up on that one but the rest <laughs> of these are hyper local so okay well we'll answer fine. those a different time then all right uh, yeah that's the episode really so cool. Yeah, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.